What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find the both of us at thepewterplank.com and you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Pewter Plank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. Today we are going to be diving into the uh, recent development involving Deshaun Jackson's vehicle being found as part of a hit and, or yeah, I guess a hit and run. Uh, and David and I are going to get to a uh, Twitter question from our good buddy, Chef Aaron, that will lead us straight into the conversation we promised we weren't going to get into, but at this point seems inevitable in discussing the coaching. So with that, I'd like to bring on my co-host, my co-expert, my good friend, David Harrison. And David, there was the report out today that uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, says that his friend used his car without permission when the abandoned Chevy Silverado was discovered Christmas Eve night and uh, the the Silverado had 6.3 grams of marijuana, which is a misdemeanor in Florida, and there were two 38 caliber hollow point bullets found in the vehicle. Those are legal in Florida. But of course, Deshaun is being investigated because the Silverado was registered to him. He had a representative of his own say that uh, Deshaun's friend borrowed his car while he was out of town without permission. Uh, Deshaun is cooperating fully with the investigation. And uh, Jason Light issued a statement regarding said investigation where he came out and said, quote, we are aware of a one-car accident involving a vehicle registered to Deshaun Jackson on the night of December 24th. Our understanding is that Deshaun has been in contact with authorities and is cooperating with the investigation, end quote. So, David, what is your immediate reaction to the news regarding Deshaun Jackson, an abandoned Chevy Silverado that hit a tree that had marijuana and hollow-point bullets in it? My immediate reaction is really just, why not? You know, why why not add this on to what the Buccaneers <laughs> franchise has already dealt with this season? And that's not really an indictment of Deshaun Jackson. I, I don't – this kind of goes back to the Jameis Winston, uh, the Uber thing, so that hasn't been hashed out just, just yet. I don't, I don't like to judge people before they've had their due process and the people who are actually involved in the situation have had time to pass their judgment because I'm nowhere near the situation. I wasn't in Deshaun Jackson's house. I wasn't near his property. I don't have access to his property. I don't know his friends. So I'm not going to connect any dots that don't need to be connected. And at the end of the day, um, I mean, you, I don't know if, if you, if you know more than I do, but Deshaun Jackson's only been suspended once, right. In his career that I, that I'm aware of. Um, it was, um, it was, back as an Eagle for missing a team meeting and Andy yeah. Reid suspended him. Like that's the only reason I know of that Deshaun Jackson has been suspended again. That's just kind of a cursory Google search. So I didn't really dive deep into it. Like no investigative reporting is happening right now, but Deshaun has had a long career in the NFL and he, he, he gets a rap from, from a lot of people as being like this disruptive type of personality. I've seen some people, on Twitter since this story broke, talk about how, well, he, he's a cancer in the locker room and he's he's not a team guy and all this other, like, I don't know where this comes from because I don't, I don't remember, like, T.O., when he was playing, had a whole lot of stories coming about how 
He was a cancer in the locker room. Teammates didn't like him. They didn't want to play for him. Donovan McNabb, you know, rallied for him to come to Philly and then wanted him out quicker than, than anybody and so on and so forth. I don't hear those stories about Deshaun Jackson. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. I don't know. But I think that Deshaun's uh, – I don't say rap because I don't think it's a widespread thing, but these people who are out here talking about, well, this is Deshaun Jackson. Like, no, it's not. I don't. Has Deshaun ever failed a drug test? Has Deshaun ever? I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I I I envision what some of these people talk about on Twitter when they talk about Deshaun Jackson as like a bad scene out of straight out of Compton, and I just I don't think that's what Deshaun is out there doing. Um, maybe he came from that similar type of background, but it doesn't mean that's what he's he's doing now. And if he was a pothead. He had been caught at some point or during his career. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I look at it, I guess. Yeah, well, you have to remember, David, that Chip Kelly got rid of Deshaun Jackson because he has gang ties. Okay. Chip Kelly is well, – uh, I'm going to stop myself. Chip Kelly didn't make smart decisions in Philadelphia. That's what I said. Chip Kelly did not make smart decisions anywhere. Like, I get that he's got like, tattoos and that he likes rap music. And I don't know, like, did, didn't did he put out an album or, like, didn't he rap on somebody's album or, or something like that? I, I think he dipped in his toe into music or something. A lot of athletes do that. And he he was one of the – has a rap he was, out, but. he was one of the executive producers on that Tupac biopic that came out earlier in the year. That thing sucked. Um, I did not see it, but I did not hear good things either. No, it, it wasn't good. Um, I mean, I get, like – Again, like that's what I said. Right? I, I I don't know his entire background, but I I know enough of of him and his story and everything. You know, he it's not an un untold story that he came from a rougher background and all that. But believe it or not, there are guys who can kind of appreciate where they came from and not stay stuck in that in that mentality or or get sucked into those behaviors. Which again, like I don't. Like Allen Iverson, you know what I mean? Like Allen Iverson, before he became a pro basketball player and a big-time NBA star, he participated in that lifestyle, right, uh, at least to a certain extent. Deshaun Jackson, I, I haven't heard any of those stories. And, again, I don't know everything about Deshaun Jackson. But, like, Allen Iverson was charged, you know, when he was a youth before he went to Georgetown, before he went to Philadelphia and became this big star and all that stuff. Deshaun Jackson, from what I know, doesn't have that kind of baggage in his history. And at least as a pro – Again, I mean, this is just a curse for Google search, but he's only been suspended once, and it was for sleeping through a team meeting. Like, in the world of, of NFL transgressions, that's pretty light. Um, so, you know, if he's a guy who's just walking around Tampa with, with you know, dime bags or, or quarter bags of marijuana on him for, for most of his time and during the NFL season, I'm pretty sure by now he'd have been caught in one of these random drug tests. So. Um, and, and, and like all the reports say, the, the, mar- the amount of marijuana that was found in his vehicle, uh, which nobody can say whether he was in it or not, uh, is a misdemeanor possession charge at, at worst. And the, cal- the, the hollow point bullets were, are legal in the state of Florida. There were two of them. Like, I mean, this doesn't, I don't know. I don't know what people are, are, are drawing pictures of. Like Deshaun Jackson was, you know. Missed the Carolina game, so decided to go out on a big drug buy with with all these hollow point bullets to to go Scarface on somebody. And I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I get it's making headlines because it's Deshaun Jackson, but honestly, I think the whole thing's kind of stupid. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And and my thought process goes to if it was Deshaun in the, in the truck. First off, why would you abandon it? 
Second off, if you wanted to avoid getting caught with the bullets and the marijuana and you abandon it, why not take that stuff with you? Like, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me how somehow Deshaun is tied into this. It just, it, it seems like the buddy, it it seems like this story is legit. Deshaun's friend took the, the truck without permission, Mm -hmm. wrecked it and got scared and ran off. Yeah. Deshaun's dumb friend who just lost a whole lot of access. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and it says that the police have said that Deshaun Jackson gave them the name of the person he said was driving the car but declined to help them get that driver back to the scene of the crash. So, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't just, you know, send his buddy back to the scene of the crash. I mean, I would, you know, if I was Deshaun, I'd look at him and be like, you know what, you dealing with them at the scene of the crash is a whole lot better than what you're going to have to deal with with me because you just took my car without permission and wrecked it, and I'm going to slap you across the house for a while. Yeah, that'd be so. fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, didn't this happen there, like at a mall or something? Um, give me a second. It doesn't say here. Um, it just said that the um, the car hit a tree. It doesn't say where. I, I can't find it, but I'm pretty sure it's something I saw something that said it happened at a mall or near a mall. So there's probably going to be surveillance tape that the police are working on getting and, and sorting through. So if for some reason Deshaun was behind the wheel, then it's going to be figured out. And if he was behind the wheel, he's going to be in more trouble for abandoning the vehicle than he is for the bullets and the six point whatever ounces of marijuana in his car, legally speaking, for the NFL, you know. I don't know. You're probably looking at a four game suspension if if he was actually the driver of the car, which I don't think he was. No, I I don't think he was either. It, at this point, it just it, if you use common sense, which is not common anymore, all signs point to Deshaun telling the truth here. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to hide anything. No, and you, even if. And, and this has nothing to do with how many catches he had on the season either. No. Out there. All right. Well, coming up, David and I are going to get into the discussion that we promised wouldn't happen until after the season, but it's gotten to the point where we can't avoid it anymore. You are listening to the Locked On Bucks podcast with James Yarko and David Harrison of thepewterplank.com. And David, we had a Twitter DM sent to us from our good buddy, Chef Aaron. We've been sitting on it for a little while uh, because we didn't want to have this discussion out of respect for the current staff, but we've reached the point of no return. So Chef Aaron writes in, people want to say we need stability in coaching, but what's the point of keeping the wrong coach for that? Look at the Rams and Jags. They had Fisher and Bradley. Both were the wrong coaches. They had them both write out their contracts, and it got them nowhere. Now they have the right coaches in place and are surging. Dirk has shown me week after week, not only does he outcoach himself, but his constant in-game mistakes with his play calling, timeouts, and player shuffling, and he's in over his head, and he's best as an offensive coordinator, not a head coach. 
This team in no way should be four and 11. I understand that there are deficiencies on the defensive line and secondary, but great coaches can make chicken salad out of chicken fecal matter to edit that for chef Aaron. He, in fairness to chef Aaron, he used the poop emoji instead of the word. So David, it's, it's gotten to that time. We've Mm -hmm. seen the reports from pewter report. We've heard the stuff out of Ian Rappaport. We're seeing stuff from Ira Kaufman. Now dirt cutters tenure with the Buccaneers is going to end on new year's day. Mm-hmm. If it's not immediately following the game, mm-hmm. but he's going to start off 2018 looking for a new coaching job. And of course, everybody wants to point to John Gruden as being the obvious slam dunk choice. We talked to Mark Cook about it. He's going to be the number one target, whether you know, you agree with it or I agree with it, or you know, there are there are plenty of people on the Gruden hype train. Uh I personally am not one of them, but there are scenarios in which I would be okay with a Gruden hire. One of those is Jason Light staying. So the fact that Jason Light has a one-year extension into 2018, should John Gruden be the head coach with Jason Light there, I'm a little more comfortable with it. I'm a little more okay if Jason Light's running the draft and Gruden's just running the team. But all that said, David, what's kind of your your takeaway from from what Chef has to say in in regards to what appears to be an inevitable coaching change now? You know, we keep going through these every other year regime changes and it's getting us nowhere. Yeah, it it's been pretty much last place for the better part of a decade. Um, you know, what, what are, what are your thoughts on, on kind of the state of the, the coaching situation for the bucks? Well, I think pretty much just like everybody else is saying, Dirk Carter's gone after, after week 17, I don't see any, any scenario playing out where he stays at, at this point, you know, Jimmy Haslam has come out and, and told Browns fans that Hugh Jackson's coming back. Uh, there, there's been some other other guys that were on the on the bubble that their owners have come out and supported them and said they'll be back. You know, J- uh, not Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones did it for Jason Garrett, even though I don't know why Jason Garrett's job is even being questioned by anybody. Um, and the Glazers haven't done it, and I know the Glazers aren't aren't predominantly loud people. You know, they're not really media. I don't want to say media friendly because they're definitely their franchise has definitely been opened up to media sources more than a lot of other franchises have. But they're not, you know, in front of the camera type of people. But still, even putting out a, a written statement or even just telling Jason to go out there and be their their mouthpiece and say, "Hey, you know, we're behind Dirk 100." percent It hasn't happened, and we're we're week 17. The team is what it is. The season is what it is. Um, a, a win against New Orleans really all it does is is affect the draft stock or the draft positioning. And, and I'm not calling for a tank by any means, but even if the team wins, like it's not going to build any excitement around the team. It's not going to happen. If anything, it might build a little bit more frustration because here you are beating a team that, uh, you know, was in position to win the division and, and going to the playoffs and all that. So where was this, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I just, I, I feel like there's, there's no way 
in my mind that I can fathom the Glazers sitting sitting there watching this team saying, well, if we beat the Saints, maybe we'll keep Dirk around. Like beating the Saints in week 17 doesn't seem like that impactful of an achievement to sway whether or not Dirk Cutter's job is safe. So the fact that Dirk Cutter's job is not safe right now means that it's it's not safe at all, which means it's gone. Because Dirk was asked during his press conference, you know, if the pressure of the coaching of his job rumors and security are distracting. And he gave an honest answer, which I appreciate, but which is, of course, it is because, uh, yeah, obviously it's distracting. But that means that even he hasn't, like, this, there's no internal buzz around, you know, if Dirk Cutter had been told in private, hey, Dirk, don't worry about all the noise. We're keeping you for 2018. You're coming back. Ignore all that other stuff. Let's just finish this year. We'll come back better next year. Then he can stand that podium and be like, no, it's not distracting at all. I'm the toughest guy in the NFL, and this stuff doesn't bother me. And in the, in the back of his head, he actually knows that he's got a job next year, and we all are just stupid. But for the fact for the fact that he came out and said, and this is kind of a situation where his honesty is kind of working against him, the fact that he said, yeah, it's a distraction, means he has zero confidence. Uh, he has zero backup that his job is secure, which, again, I cannot fathom how beating the Saints in Week 17 would be the tipping point for the Glazer family to keep Dirk Cutter which means he's got to be gone. Um, as far as John Gruden is concerned, I've already gone on record in this in this podcast talking about how that would be, you know, the the ultimate business decision. Whether or not uh, I think it's a wise coaching decision is is really irrelevant at this point. But I think that for non football people like the Glazers are to bring a coach in like John Gruden, I mean, they could do a lot worse. You know, so if they're going to be heavily involved in in the in finding who, the new coach, uh, I, I mean, John Gruden's about as good as it's going to get at this point, I think. So I don't have a problem with John Gruden coming back. I'm on board with you with Jason Light being the general manager there. And, and there's been a lot of people who have talked on social media and in some other publications about how John Gruden just kind of, you know, was was kind of set up for failure from the beginning because of the draft picks the Bucks gave up to get him in the first place. And then the bad draft decisions that were made by general managers that worked with him during his time in Tampa. But Jason Light, if anything, you know, if not all this free agent hits or uh, or signings have hit, his draft picks have been pretty strong, you know, uh, uh, looking at the totality of it. So I think Jason Jason Light and John Gruden could be a good pairing. And I think uh, this the, the fact that they have Jason on a one-year uh, extension is is kind of a perfect scenario to bring John Gruden in because essentially in this relationship, you know, John Gruden becomes the LeBron James and Jason Light becomes the the Cavaliers head coach because if John Gruden doesn't like Jason Light at the end of 2018, Jason's probably hitting the road. John's the superstar. John's the guy you know that they're putting on posters and and ticket stubs and all that stuff. So if if that relationship doesn't work, then they don't have to fire Jason Light. They just don't renew his contract. For 2019 and it's a clean break and they move forward uh they can even call it a mutual hey we both decided to go our separate ways whatever yada yada and and call it a day so I, it makes perfect sense and i don't i mean i think that uh if if the buccaneers take a little bit of time to make the announcement or finalize everything i think you and i will have some coaching discussions in the future and i've got some names you've got some names um you know your names are wrong mine are more correct but i think that oh, john, okay. gruden, john gruden is probably the guy so it's probably not even a conversation we're going to have beyond Facebook. Yeah, I mean, we we may not even have time to yeah. to have that conversation. Uh, like I told you yesterday when when you and I were were chatting off of the show, 
you know, by this time next week, John Gruden could be the head coach. Like it, it could move that fast. He's going to be in high demand, but you know, the reports are the Buccaneers are his number one option. So if they're the first ones to give him an offer and it's a good offer, you know, he, he has no reason to shop elsewhere. He's already made up his mind that that's where he wants to be. Um, one of my, one of my big concerns is the staff that he would build around him. You know, I said I would be far more comfortable with Gruden as the head coach in certain circumstances, one of which, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, is Jason Light staying on as general manager. We're potentially going to get that one-year trial period between the two of them, see how they work together, um, you know, see what the working relationship is from things that we've seen on on hard knocks or in or in photos or in, you know, from training camp things, they appear to get along just fine. But it's a very different dynamic when John Gruden is coming to visit you at your organization and John Gruden coming to work with you at your organization. So we would have to see how that that work relationship and that dynamic would work out over the course of the of free agency in the draft season and and through the regular season. The other caveat that I have is I want to see who he brings in as a defensive coordinator. And a lot of people are very much in love with the idea of bringing in a defensive coordinator that runs a three, four defense. And I think that's a very intriguing option with the players that are currently on this roster. So my question to you would be, and of course, again, this is all hypothetical. We're, you know, we're a few days away from the final Buccaneers game of the 2017 season. But do you think that that Gruden is going would go after somebody that he's worked with before? We know he has the feelers out with some of his former staff members, as well as getting their um, their recommendations of other people. Do you think he's going to go with with someone familiar, or do you think he would branch out and and give the defense a complete overhaul with with somebody who might become available? I mean, kind of how do you how do you view that situation? I wanted to bring in Raheem Morris to be the defensive coordinator. Oh my god! <laughs> Raheem Morris doesn't even coach defense on the team that he's with now. Yeah, it's irrelevant. Um, I have no idea who's going to bring in for his staff. Is Monty is no Monty Kiffin either? Stop that. Yeah, I was going to say Monty Kiffin around. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I have no idea who 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 John will bring in. Uh, for his staff but I mean I think John I don't know man John Gruden is 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 a a smart coach he's been around I think the biggest thing that's going to help John Gruden is honestly is his time in broadcasting like think about the amount of meetings he's been in with coaches with coordinators with players talking about different strategies and and he's he's had that bird's eye view on so many games so many different systems so many types of players so many types of of schemes and and seeing how they worked out and and picked out you know ways they did work why they didn't work so on and so forth i mean he's been out of coaching like i got that but he has not been out of the mental side of the game which is what you need your head coach to be smart on because you know in a perfect world your your head coach is looking at your offensive defensive coordinator saying okay what's our strategy for beating this team next week 
and they say, okay, well, coach, here's where our strategy is. Okay, here's where I, I think you need to tweak it as the head coach. All right, now we have a plan of action. Go execute. And he has seen so many different things and so many different elements around the, around the across the NFL that I can't I can't think anything other than he's gotten smarter. You know, and, and I look at it in the same way that Josh McDaniels has been brought up by a lot of people. And, you know, the thought that his second time as a head coach would be better than his first time because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He learned from his mistakes. He learned from his dealings with, you know, guys like Jay Cutler and the Broncos, you know, head office and, and the fan base and all that stuff and learning kind of like I don't think Josh McDaniels as the Broncos head coach was really prepared for just how scrutiny by the fans in a town that loves football as much as a town like Denver does. So doing it again, going to another team, which I think he likely will, he's probably going to be better too, which I agree with. However, John Gruden, his issues were never with the media or the fan base, the expectations. His issues came with, you know, uh, I don't even say player management because that wasn't his, really his, his, his area. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't, you know, was, was the saying? He didn't buy the groceries. He just had to cook the dinner. So getting the getting the right pieces and there weren't really the issues. I didn't really like the way John managed the quarterback position. I really kind of felt that he was a little too wishy-washy there and kind of quick to pull the trigger on benching this guy or putting this guy in and so on and so forth. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. But the difference between John and Josh is Josh McDaniels is getting is, – is most likely going to get another chance to be a head coach. But he's been sitting in the Patriots office, the Patriots meetings, for the last however many years, right? He hasn't been seeing every single other NFL franchise in their meetings, in their minds, picking their brains, getting their ideas, learning from them, developing, which is what John Gruden has been doing. So I think John Gruden as a head coach now would be a lot different than John Gruden as a head coach before, and he'd be a lot smarter, which is hard to imagine. You know, that's a fair point. That really is. It's, that's a fair point. Yeah, that, that almost makes Gruden kind of a um, – gives him a a edge over any other coaching candidate that that will be out there um starting on Monday basically you know that's going to be a rough new year's day you know new year's day and black monday lining up that way is going to be it's going to mm-hmm. be rough but it's going to be interesting so david i i don't really have anything else to to add into the the coaching conversation for now. And I know we're going to have a little bit longer of an episode on Friday as we're going to not only preview the Buccaneers and the Saints matchup, but we're going to be joined by Zach Sowers of the Peterplank.com and the Walking the Plank podcast. And he's going to give us some players to keep an eye on during that slate of New Year's Day bowl games. Um, so I mean, do you have you have anything else you want to throw out there regarding Cutter, Gruden, the coaching search? Or Deshaun Jackson smoking weed every day? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think we pretty much said what what needs to be said at this point. So we'll see if if there if if more than a week goes by and John Gruden is not announced as the next head coach of the Buccaneers, we may have some other stuff to talk about. But I think for now, it, it really I, I don't really see the point in getting too deep too much deeper into it. Yeah, I mean, it just you and I have been having these, these arguments and these battles back and forth in, in texts and, you know, sit there and say, Oh, well, we're going to, we're going to hash this out on the podcast. We're going to battle this out on the podcast. We just may not have time. It may happen so fast. Yeah. They, they may interview, you know, 
for all we know, they'll they'll interview Gerald McCoy to be a player coach just to satisfy <laughs> the Rooney rule, just to get Gruden in there that much faster. This could be like a, a three-day process from firing to hiring. Yeah. At least that's the way things appear to be lining up. So as I said before, uh, Friday's episode, we are going to preview the Buccaneers and Saints to wrap up what has been a very difficult, a very disappointing, a very unexpected 2017 Tampa Bay Buccaneers season, as well as being joined by Zach Sowers of thepewterplank.com and the Walking the Plank podcast. And he's going to give us some players to watch in each of the New Year's Day bowl games that uh, Buccaneers fans need to keep an eye on because it is draft season. And uh, it's it's that time. We are going to have to start looking at Buccaneers candidates, uh, players that we like, positions that we need. And so Zach is going to give us a little bit of a heads up when the uh, when the time comes. So with that, David and I would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here once again at Locked on Bucks. <laughs>